and welcome to Ride the Omnibus. I'm your host, Ariel Vasca, and today I'm speaking with Jake Wachtel, director of the new film Karma Link, which won prizes at the Venice Film Festival for its groundbreaking use of visual effects in a brilliant sci-fi story that marries nanotechnology and reincarnation. I am a huge fan of your film, Karma Link, and delighted we get to have this conversation on the heels of your Venice Film Festival award win, and now that it's coming out on VOD everywhere very soon. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about why it is that you chose to make Cambodian speculative fiction for your feature debut. I'm very curious about this. Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I, I find myself wondering about that sometimes too, but it was a really sort of like organic flow in a way that I, I never could have foreseen at the various steps along the way. But it but it kind of began when I moved to Cambodia to teach a year-long class in filmmaking to kids. And I've been making films for social impact ventures and NGOs all over the world for some years. And I was really hungry to dive deeper with a single community and then this opportunity to go to Cambodia arose and I got to know the kids really well I really I I fell in love with my students and with their community but I I was just thinking I was there to, to teach and I spent a year and the end of that year when we were getting ready for their final showcase we were planning a little film festival for their films And at the time, I was reading the novel Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro, which is like one of my favorite sci-fi books of all time. And I remember like thinking to myself, wondering what what would the story be like set in the community where I've been teaching, where my kids are. And that was, and then and then my I was off to the races, and and sort of that that was the initial seed. And this idea was planted in my head. I think that I developed a really strong conviction around the project. It was like six or seven months later, I was on a 10-day silent meditation retreat. And on day four, this initial seed of the idea turned into like a full-fledged movie where I could see the characters and the story arcs and all the stuff going forward, which is to say the story changed hugely from that that initial burst. But being on a silent retreat when you can't talk is a, is a good time to like <laughs> set convictions for yourself. And so I came out of that with this really strong feeling of like, oh, I, I really, really want to, I really want to take the next step of making this. I, I couldn't say to myself, I, I have to make this movie because I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew that I wanted to take the next step. And then I took the next step and the next step. And here we are seven years after that meditation retreat. And I made the movie and it's coming out now. And it's really a stupendous film because you have this marriage of religion and science in a story that also addresses things like gentrification, transhumanism, medical distrust within the Cambodian community. And it's really fascinating to me how you made this work. I think, first of all, I do want to give a shout out to your co-writer, Christopher yeah, Larson. Yeah, Christopher well. Larson who is a collaborator of Maddie Doe, who is actually on the board of directors for Ride the Omnibus. Obviously, I adore Maddie. Yeah, she's amazing. He, I mean, he really, when he came on board the project, I was so grateful because he really brought it to the next level. I mean, re- retooled it from the ground up and just made it so, so much better. And his work on The Long Walk, I can see where a lot of the pieces of the technology seem to be an interesting touch point for him in terms mm. of the humanism and the technology and the way that those things connect yeah. narratively. 
But I wondered for both of you, in terms of working in this way and trying to be sensitive to Cambodian perspectives on a lot of very specific topics, Mm. how did you find that experience of trying to work in a country that was not your native country and honor the experiences of the actors and the collaborators that you had there? Yeah, I mean, I think that that was something that felt hugely important for me as an outsider coming into this place. I mean, from the get-go, even when I came to teach, I was, you know, extremely aware of of how I was an outsider and how in in some ways I was an, an, an avatar for a certain set of cultural values. And I felt uncomfortable with being there. And and partly the film grew up with, uh, grew out of a desire to explore that very sense of discomfort as an outsider. I think that the film is a lot about critiquing ways that outside influence can change the soul and the culture of a place. And so wanting to examine more my own role in that and my culture's role in that. Um, so I think that you know, on one hand, there, there was something that felt very personal about it and, and why I wanted to tell this story. But then obviously it's a, it's a tremendous, it feels like a tremendous responsibility to to be shepherding a Cambodian story. And the only way that seems feasible is to deeply involve my Cambodian collaborators and friends at every step of the way. Um, the story also grew out of a lot of conversations I was having with, you know, with people around me when I was living in Cambodia with, with my Cambodian friends about this process of development and how they, how they saw the culture changing. It arose after spending a year of living in the community, just absorbing a lot, but then also, like really wanting to empower um, empower my Cambodian collaborators to to make changes. And a lot of these changes were on the level of subtle details, but the, the most important things that would really um, make it feel real. And and that that process, I mean I I, I talked through the script a lot with my good friend Hong, um, who was my one of my fellow teachers when I was, when I was teaching uh, filmmaking, he, he worked at the same NGO and then working with the kids. We did a, we had a, a rehearsal period of a couple of months where we, ah, I got to back up. I, my, my translator, um, Polen Lee, who's an amazing filmmaker in his own right, just had a short film play at Berlin. We had a lot of long conversations of, of how to bring the script into Khmer. And then there's a long process working with the, with the two lead actors to further move the dialogue into their own language in the way that felt most natural for them. And then when we were on set, really trying to uh, make a space for everyone to, to contribute to, to how this, how this feels right. And, and really trying to, to lead with a lot of humility of, of like, I, there's so much that I don't know, and I need you guys to to step up and, and and make sure that this story is working as a Cambodian story. That was from the actors. That was from you know people on the art department or the the DIT or the script supervisor. Um, you know, second AC. Like there were moments when everyone was like, "Hey, let's. What about this? You know?" And it's like, "Okay, let's stop. Let's. Okay, yeah." That's that is how they should be sleeping. They shouldn't be sleeping in this way. Let's let's do it this way or how they're eating dinner or things like that. So, yeah. And it's incredible because it comes across as this interesting marriage between 
the Goonies and Children of Men and some other speculative fiction films like AI. And it's a really fascinating thing because I think you have very powerful VFX and sound design throughout this film that also really make it land. But because of the setting, so much of your production value comes specifically from this setting that is so culturally rich. And because you're dealing with the themes of culture and memory in such an explicit way, I would love for you to comment a little bit on those traditions of culture and memory. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, we, it, it is such a dream to shoot in Cambodia. The locations are are stunning. I, I can't believe some of the things that we were able to have access to and, and, and shoot in. Um, and I, I mean, the first thing that pops to mind is obviously Buddhism plays a really big role in this film. And the idea of past lives to me resonates a lot with in the science fiction space where you have a you have this really direct soul connection with what came before and what's coming after right as you're being reincarnated and to think about in the in the society how the karma that we are accruing or, or giving out now in this life is going to set the stage for what's coming later and it's it's a this idea of reincarnation is very explicitly tied to thinking about the future what's coming what's coming down the pike which feels very like futurist in, in sci-fi but cambodia is a place I felt from when I first arrived where the, the old and the new really coexist and are, and are intermingled. There's so much beautiful like ways that materials are recycled uh, and you, you see left and right and, and kind of like, you know, the hyper-modern construction next to something that feels very old. But then you also have this like magnificent ancient history of the Khmer Empire you have this moment of the Khmer Rouge when they literally tried to erase memory and start everything with year zero. That's what they, you know, they called the year they came to power and it was like a, a clean slate. And so it's, yeah, I mean, there's something very much sw swimming in the culture that is, it feels like hi history is alive. Memory is really important. Yeah. And so then it was just like taking that idea and taking the lead from this idea of reincarnation being like okay well where are we going what's what's coming what's coming down the pike it's really stunning and the fact that you have so many different distinct technologies working within the film as well that feel very normalized within the world of the film that's the reason i compare it to children of men is it's very much like not the point of the thing it's like we're just gonna have this mundane little thing over here it just happened. Yeah. Really fascinating. I love, like, the, I, I, the opening shot of Children of Men for me is a masterclass in subtle world building. I've watched yeah. that shot so many times and watching the, like, double-decker buses go by in the background. And you realize that, they're, yeah, their production design team went to town in ways that are extraordinary. And it's you just get these passing glimpses and everything is very functional in the environment they don't go to any pains to like explain how the technology is being used they just use it as they're meant to use it and so it's cool that you picked up on that because it's a, a huge 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 inspiration for me in thinking about the sci-fi worlds that i love and i think it works very well and especially given that you're working in this space where the integration of historical memory and kind of the old and the new and the way that they interplay in terms of people's individual perceptions of time is really a fascinating construct. 
I wanted to thank you so much for that. But I also wanted to see how do you feel at this point? I'm just going to go for this question, which is maybe a little silly to ask, but how do you feel about the concept of augmented memory at this point, having made this film? Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, the film is called Karmalink, which is a play on Neuralink. And I studied neuroscience of memory in when I was in college. And so it's something that's always like really fascinated me, this intersection with technology and memory and how do we learn about how the brain functions in terms of memory. It seems to me like it's coming. And I think that like for me, yeah, I, I these these are two scientists, Dr. Sophia and Batanak are different facets of this technology. And I, you know, and we see ways in which it's like helping grandma with Alzheimer's. We see ways in which it's like, like soul, soul obliteration. <laughs> and I think that basically it's kind of a boring answer, but I feel it's, I feel very ambivalent. I feel it's really a double-edged sword and I feel extremely anxious about the potentials, but also like I, there's for sure going to be some, cool applications. But yeah, I I think that since making this movie, I, I think that I'm feeling my, after dwelling in this like semi-dystopia for many, many years, I'm, I'm feeling my, my interest in my brain is shifting more towards utopian visions of the future, or there's this term called protopia, which I really love. Yeah. Utopia yeah. sounds like you know, unattainable. And, well, and what utopia, is that? In Greek, utopia literally means nowhere. No place. Yeah, no, no place. place. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah like this idea of like like how like how can we think about i, I want to tell more sci-fi stories that are that are grappling with how do we think about ways in which technology can be um marshaled for good and and in a, in a more positive direction you know it's always going to be complicated there's always going to be unforeseen consequences but like yeah what are what are the positive visions and i think that there's tremendous potential i mean you know me memory itself is a is a technology of time travel and uh and i think one of the things the film is grappling with is like um how do we preserve culture in in kind of like increasing connectedness and homogenization and we are you know it's so important that grandma can share her stories her memories of the past that's like it's, that's like you know happening on the margins of the film but i think it's kind of central to to this idea that's that's at the heart of it um which is which is yeah we need we need that and we need like that technology is helping to preserve that and so we need it for that for that use case and like what are all the great use cases that we can try to work towards that's what i want to be thinking about more and more as i'm dreaming up more sci-fi stories yeah and not entirely just about the bullet train to china that's kicking them out of their home yeah and you know, I think it's pretty easy for a Westerner to come into Cambodia and be like, oh, they're di displacing so many people with these development projects and this bullet train to China is going to knock down their houses. But A, I, will f I would for sure take that bullet train to China. And like, who am I to say that the, the, the people in the society like shouldn't have access to this like convenience that is coming? And B, I'm the great benefic beneficiary of like displacement. It just happened a little bit further in the past, you know, but like it was probably more brutal than the way that it's going down now in Cambodia. And so it's definitely not unique to Cambodia. And I think that it's important to, to recognize in these processes that where 
there are people being displaced and I think it's really important to have like, so the magic of film is to be able to bring you into the lives and create connection with people who live different lives than you. But like, yeah, it's not, that's not a, a Cambodian problem. This bullet train to China is, is not limited to <laughs> Cambodia at all. Oh, certainly not. Certainly not. But I love this vision of the future that you've created in this film, however ambivalent it may be. I really love this. And thank you so much for your time. And I really appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing more work from you. Uh, thanks for all your thought questions. That was really fun. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. And thank you for taking a moment right now to reflect with me on the history of the land you are listening on now. Whether you are stuck in traffic or sitting in your office chair, take the time to look up whose traditional lands you are on now and what treaties govern those territories. I record this podcast on the site of lands stolen from the Manahoac people. I am grateful to work on this land and I acknowledge that we need to protect and honor the history of the indigenous people from other tribal nations that have made innumerable contributions around the world. I share this in the hope that my listeners may join me in honoring our past, present, and future. Without this land, this earth, and each other, we are nothing. Before I go, please take 30 seconds now to leave us a five-star review by clicking on support the show in the show notes. We don't want your money. We want your words. A simple RTO rocks my socks expands our reach and helps us keep bringing you great content. And connect with us on Instagram and Twitter where we are at Omnibus Ride. You can also visit our website, omnibusride.com, where you can go to dive deeper into our content and learn more about the show. A special thank you to our amazing editor, William Das. We truly couldn't do what we do without him or Danielle. Be well, be safe, and keep in touch. Mm-hmm.